Hey everybody, this is Troy, one of the pastors at First Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for listening to the podcast. It is a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And we are committed to join God in the remaking of all things. I pray that this sermon is a blessing and helps you join God today. If we can serve you in any way, we would love to. Please get a hold of us at lafayettenaz.org. Have a great day. Hey, good morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Troy. My privilege to welcome you to worship this morning. We're in week number two of a sermon series called How Things Grow. And in this series of sermons, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the reality of growth as it's biblically displayed to us. And we're learning from scenes in the Bible that talk about how plants grow, how those same things apply and relate to our lives as well. Now, today we're going to be in John chapter 15 in a very familiar passage of Scripture but a passage of scripture that I find to be really, really profound. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through verse 8. This is the word of the Lord, and these are the words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit. And he trims or prunes any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. And you are already trimmed because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must Remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and dries up, and those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done to you. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and in this way prove that you are my disciples. This is God's word for us this morning. I have um, a, a little bit of a real estate side interest, like a, a little bit of a real estate side in, interest. You know, I got the Zillow app on my phone. I open the Zillow app every couple of days to see what's on the market, how much it's selling for. I, 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 I cruise around different parts of town, and I check out what property values look like. Have they appreciated or depreciated? Just as a side note, Housing prices, as you probably know, in Lafayette and West Lafayette are absolutely bananas right now. In fact, Realtor.com, check this out, y'all. Realtor.com ranked Lafayette and West Lafayette, Indiana, as the eighth 
hottest, I don't know what that means, I guess it means we're sexy, y'all, hottest real estate market in the entire country. Hottest real estate market in the entire country. I don't know what, what, what terminology that means. It made a good headline. But I got a little bit of a real estate side interest. Now, I'm not... I'm not one of those people who every Sunday figures out where the open houses are, and I show up at all the open houses even though I have no intention of buying the house. But I will say that, I, that my fam, I've drugged my family to a couple of open houses in my day. And, and a year ago or so, about a year ago, we went to this open house of a, of a piece of property not too far from here. And it's kind of set out in the countryside, a couple acres, I don't know. And the house was nice. The house was nice. Um, I mean, it was a good house. It was a nice house. But here's what made the house really nice. The yard and the property. Unbelievable. Landscaping, completely on point. The backyard, oh my goodness, had this deck that kind of wrapped around the house. It was all composite wood. And then over to the side had this like pergola area with built-in grill. Wow, real nice. Definitely above my price range, but maybe, consider, maybe made me consider a little bit what it would take to sacrifice. It was nice, nice, nice. Well, we drove by that same house recently. It sold, didn't take long. Drove by that, that, real, that, that same house recently. You can kind of see it from the road. And I, I got to be honest, it made my heart sad. All of that incredible landscaping, totally overgrown. The fence, which was beautiful, was like completely unkept. Everything looked ragged, really, really ragged. To be honest with you, this is what it looked like. It looked like the person who bought the house didn't really love the house. Because if you love something, you do the hard work. And it is hard work. All the homeowners in the house say amen. If you love something, you do the hard work of caring for it. Of caring for it. Now listen. The most consistent Revelation of Scripture is the love of God for His people. God loves His people with a steadfast love. But here's the thing. He doesn't love us with this kind of mamby, pamby, ooey, gooey, butterfly kisses sort of love. He loves us so much that He does the hard work of caring for us. He loves us so much, he wants to see our lives produce fruit. The kind of fruit that God loves and God desires. Justice and righteousness and generosity and love. He loves us so much that he wants to take our lives and help our lives to become that fruitful kind of life. And he knows in order for that to happen, he's going to have to do the hard work of caring for us. But today, I don't want to just talk about the fruit that God desires to see his people produce. And that's good to talk about. What I want to talk about is the process. I want to talk about the process. Because it is in the process that God proves 
his love for us. It's in the process of how he cares for us that God proves his love for us because it's a given. We all know God wants his children to grow just like any mom, just like any dad wants to see their children grow. God wants to see his children grow to produce fruit. But just like you don't plant something one day and then harvest the fruit the next, we don't become fruitful people overnight. We don't go to bed and the, char- and the character in our life is that we're angry and we're a jerk or we're prideful or we're full of greed. We don't go to bed like that and wake up the next morning as some kind of different person, completely fruitful. There is a process to it and it's in the process that God proves his love for us. Now here's the thing. If God didn't love us, if he didn't, he would just leave us to ourselves. Just let us be like that homeowner did with that house. Just let it be. And while we might think that we enjoy that kind of freedom and that kind of, oh, I get to do what I really want to do sort of thing, we might think that's nice. Pretty soon, we're going to look like that house. Overgrown, ragged, uncared for, unloved, unhealthy. But thank the Lord. I mean, thanks be to God. That's not who our God is. He loves us. He loves his children. God loves you. And this is how he proves it. He proves his love for you, according to John 15, in two primary ways. Two primary ways. The first is this. He proves his love for you by preparing you. By preparing you. He prepares you. John 15, chapter 2. He removes any of my branches that don't bear fruit. He prepares you by removing. Now, some of us in this room this morning, we know how to grow stuff. Like, we, we know how to do that thing. I mean, in fact, we got that backyard garden. And that backyard garden's so big that we have a tiller. And we till that, that ground. And, and we have the backyard garden that's large enough that it produces enough tomatoes to literally supply the county. But we're just trying to feed our, our four-person family. I mean, we know how to grow stuff. We know how to grow stuff to the point that we can't give away all of the stuff that we grow because there's just, we, we got that. We got that. There's, a, there's other, others of us in this room, we have no idea how to grow anything. In fact, we shop at fresh time to convince ourselves that like we're more connected to the earth. You know, like when we go to fresh time, we feel like, ooh, I'm a farmer. You know, if I go to Meyer or Payless or Walmart, all those other stores, I don't feel connected. But man, when I go to Fresh Time, that got that farm theme, it kind of looks like a barn. Woo! I, I'm in. Some of us are, are like that. But in this morning, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm t- I want us to do I want us to get a little bit fancy because the image that Jesus pulls from isn't from your backyard garden, and he's not talking about 
your beefsteak tomato plants or your early bird or your late boy, whatever they're all, girly girl, one of those things. He's not talking about that. The image that Jesus pulls from is from a vineyard. It's from a vineyard. So let's get fancy. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, ooh la la. Say, ooh la la. I'm going to transport you from the sticks of Lafayette, Indiana to the French countryside, Burgundy, France. We're talking about vineyards this morning, so pinkies up, everybody, pinkies up. So regardless of how good you are at backyard gardening, my best best guess is you don't know very much at all about how to grow grapes in a vineyard. Now listen, I don't either. I don't either. But I'm going to act like I do because I got the microphone. I got a microphone. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine. My father is the vine grower, and you and I, we are the fruit-bearing branches that grow off of that vine. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, God the Father, as the vine grower, comes along and removes, cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit walks through the vineyard, notices what's happening all along the vine, finds the branch that's growing and producing leaves, but not producing grapes. Because the point of a grapevine is not just to have pretty leaves that change pretty colors in the fall. The point of a grapevine is to produce grapes. And so he finds the branches that have leaves but no grapes, comes along with his pruning shears, cuts those suckers off because the only thing they're good for is to dry out so you can have a campfire and s'mores in the fall. That's why God does this. He knows how stuff grows. He knows that if you don't cut off the unfruitful branches... What those branches end up doing is diverting the minerals that are desperately needed to produce fruit, and they take some of that part. So he comes along, and he said, these things are worthless. They are not helping to produce what this vine was intended to produce. Let's cut them off. Listen, to because God cares for you, because God loves you, Jesus says, He proves his love by cutting off unfruitful branches that don't serve their purpose. He removed the branches that take and take and take, but never once give. He gets rid of the branches that use all sorts of resources, but never do anything. They never produce a thing. And he doesn't just leave them around, leave those branches hanging around for a bit. He cuts those suckers off. He's proving his love for you by preparing you to bear fruit. But the first thing he needs to do, he's got to cut some stuff off. He's got to cut some stuff off. I mean, he wants to get rid of all of the leaves but no grapes stuff. He wants to cut off the stuff that only takes but never gives. He loves you enough to do that so much 
that he wants to remove all of the things that take our energy, steal our attention, take away our resources, but they don't produce anything. We all have these things. We all absolutely have these things. All of us have things in our life that are growing, and they got leaves on them, but they're not producing any fruit. And what they're ending up doing is they're taking away energy and resources and time away from the things in our life that God would love to see bear the fruits of generosity and justice, and joy, and love. I mean, stuff like spending six to seven to eight hours binging Netflix shows. Listen, I ain't judging. I've been there. Lord knows some of us need to close Facebook and never, ever log on again. Instagram causes us envy. There's more serious things. Every addiction under the book, this is what it does. It takes and it takes and it takes, but it never produces anything. Alcohol, pornography. Some of us are in relationships today, and those relationships are taking everything that we've got, and they're not producing a bit of fruit in our life. Now listen, I can speculate because I know culture and I know some of our stories well, but I don't want to speak words into your life that aren't true. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that all of us have things that are getting in the way of the fruit that God wants to produce in us and through us. And what I'm saying to you is that the first way that God loves us is he prepares us for fruit by cutting some things off. Just getting rid of them. Because let's be honest, some of those addictions in our life, the only thing that they're worth is getting rid of so that someone can burn them up at some point in time and they can go just go away. Some, some of the stuff that we engage our time with that occupies our attention, it's pointless and it's worthless and it's unproductive and it doesn't help us to be the kind of person that God would want us to be. There's no point to it and God wants to cut it off. Why? He loves you. He wants you to be fruitful. And that thing's stealing your energy. It's taking away your resources. He wants to prepare you for fruitfulness by removing it and cutting it off. Will you let him? Will you let him? He proves his love for us. The first thing is by preparing us. The second thing is this. He proves his love for us by pruning us. By pruning us. John 15, chapter 2, the second part of that verse. Back to the vineyard, turn to your neighbor, say, ooh la la again. The vine grower, scripture says, prunes any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. The, the vine grower prunes any fruit any branch that's already producing fruit. He prunes that thing. So that the other branches will grow and produce even more. Now, like I said earlier, a lot of us in this room, we, we have no idea how to grow stuff, how things grow. We don't know anything about that. And so if we were to ever happen to plant something, 
And the plant that we planted miraculously, let's say the climate was perfect, the soil conditions were great, we didn't have to do anything, we just dug a hole and stuck the thing in the ground, and miraculously that plant actually started to produce some fruit. For those of us who don't know how to grow anything, if that were to happen, and we saw that there was a branch, and that branch was producing a little bit of of fruit, we're pumped! I mean, we're... We're taking a photo and putting it on Instagram. Hashtag grow your own food. I mean, we are, we are doing that thing. We are excited. But, but what Jesus says is this is what a good, a good vine grower does. He sees branches that are producing fruit. And he gets out the pruning shears and cuts them off. He prunes it back. Why Why would you want to get rid of that? This is what I'm seeing. Branches connected to the vine that are unproductive, that don't produce any fruit, they get cut off. Branches connected to the vine that are producing fruit, they get cut back. The first one gets cut off. The second one gets cut back. Why? Well, like I said, I am no expert at all, but I found this video on YouTube because YouTube knows all the things. This is of a vine, vineyard grower person talking about the process of, food, of pruning vine branches. I want to play it for you this morning. We are pruning vines. This is uh, the major activity, probably the most important activity for our vines, and we do it in the wintertime. So people might think uh, you're hurting the vine, you're cutting it, you're taking these things off. You know, why would you cut it? Why would you hurt it like that? But you're not actually hurting it. No, um, we're actually helping it get stronger and grow harder every year. So it bears more fruit if you prune it back. Yes. All right. Well, show us how it's done. Okay. How we start to prune is we just look for things we can just start kind of cleaning up, if you will. So then coming off of the lateral here, this here is called a fruiting cane, all right? So that will bear fruit. And when we go to cut on this, we will look at the number of buds. So each one of these little nodules or knots that you see coming down, those are what we call buds. See after five, how they start to get longer and longer, the vine would have to work just that much harder to support any uh, grape that we, if we left right. say seven on here. Pruning is important for the vine first and foremost just for the lifespan of the vine. The vine does not have to work as hard to put the fruit on the vine. The fruit will be better. If, if we left this down, yeah it might produce a bunch down here. It would never ripen. It really wouldn't be very good fruit. It's not something we certainly want for our product and we're going to help the vine by trimming off all this that we just trimmed off. It will help this become stronger and the root system is stronger and even after bud break and the sprouts start to come out and you know the leaves start to grow, the crew will come through all spring and summer and cutting some, even some of that back. All right, this is what I heard. This is what I heard. Pruning makes the vine stronger. It improves the quality. It ends up producing more fruit. And it extends the life of the vine. Because what's happening in pruning isn't that we're getting rid of dead stuff. 
It's that we're removing secondary things in order that the things of most importance can thrive and can grow. This is God's process for how things grow. He cuts off what doesn't produce, and what does produce, he cuts back. Now, here's the truth. If you want to grow, either way, you're going to get cut. Either way, you're going to get cut. Sometimes I hear people say, or there's this line of thinking that's sold, sometimes by pastors and preachers and churches, that following Jesus means you never get cut. That when you belong to God, you never have to have that kind of pain. But that's not true at all. In fact, the opposite is true. Followers of Jesus get cut twice. The stuff in our lives that is pointless, God wants to cut that off. And the stuff in our life that's producing, but isn't producing the kind of most important fruit God wants to see, he wants to cut that back. And anytime you get cut, Anytime something is removed from your life, it's never pleasant. But at least in pruning, there's a purpose. And the purpose is more fruit, more production. And the way to more fruit and the way to more production is less. It's to cut something back, to take something away. Now, that's really counterintuitive because we live in a culture that says more is more. More produces more. If you want more, you need to have more, 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 more. But pruning is the opposite of that. Pruning says the way to more fruit in my life is by allowing God to cut back, to take some things away. Pruning teaches us That less creates more, and less creates better. And so as the person said, this is how it works in a vineyard. The branches begin to bear fruit. At the end of the season, vine growers cut off a third of the branches so that the energy can go to creating the best kind and quality of grapes And the other two-thirds. And here's why. Here's why. I want to show this image for you. There's two images for you today. I want to show this for you. This is from a vine. This is from a wine expert talking about the process of growing grapes. He said this. Too many clusters on a single branch results in grapes that have to fight for every little bit of sunlight and water they receive. And the results are clusters with small underripe grapes that make the wine taste sour, green, and overly acidic. Now listen, I I just want to pause. I just want to pause right there. I know we're kind of bouncing back and forth between the vineyard and here in this space in our church. And and if you wouldn't mind, go back to that last slide real quick because I want to highlight that last line. The result of too much are clusters with small, underripe grapes that make the wine taste sour, green, and overly acidic. There are too, way too many followers of Jesus 
whose lives could be characterized as small, sour, and overly acidic. Too many. Too many followers of Jesus, and followers of Jesus are are expected to produce the best kind of fruit in the world. Because of our own greatness? No, because we remain connected to the very true vine that produces these things. We're, We're supposed to produce the fruit of joy and of peace and of generosity. The best kind of fruit in the whole world is supposed to be produced through the lives of followers of Jesus. But man, can I confess, way too many followers of Jesus living lives that are small. And the fruit that is produced is sour. And nobody wants it. Or overly acidic that drives people away. You know, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ produces fruit that's attractive. Who wouldn't want more joy in their life? Who wouldn't want more peace? Who wouldn't want to be able to control themselves a little bit better? Who wouldn't want to be a little bit more generous in the quality of their life? All of that is the sort of stuff that we would say, yes, I want that. But too many of us, our lives aren't producing that kind of a thing. Why? I think for some of us, we're so scared to let God prune us because it means God's going to take some things away that we kind of like to latch on to. All right, next slide, next slide. When vinters, that's a, that's a ooh-la-la, that's a fancy word for people who grow grapes. When vintners trim back the grape clusters that look smaller and less ripe than others on the branch, check out what happens. They improve the sweetness and size of the remaining grapes without giving them too much space to grow large and diluted. The way to more in this life is not more. The way is by allowing God to take some things away. Are you producing good fruit? Is your life producing the kind of the quality, the kind of fruit that only God produced? Or are you small, undersized, sour, and acidic? God wants to prove his love for you by pruning you so that you can produce more and better.